Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Derek O'Reilly, and for over 30 years, I've been a licensed London taxi driver. For 20 years, I taught the knowledge to prospective London cab drivers. During this podcast, I'm going to be joined by experts who are going to bring the forgotten and secret history of London to life. Today we're going to talk about Charles Dickens and in particular his connections to Hampstead and Highgate. Today I'm joined by a friend who I last met a few years ago in Hampstead. I'm Marilyn Green. I'm a heritage professional and qualified tour guide for the City of London. And I also specialise in the Hampstead and Highgate and North London areas. You can get in touch with me by my website, walkingtalkingculture.co.uk, or via the cooperative of guides known as Footprints of London. Now, Marilyn, um, I live in Bloomsbury. And I'm well versed in sort of the Dickensian culture of the area. You know, he's got his museum there and he lived in Tavistock Square, etc. Um, on my journeys around London in the taxi, I did notice a blue plaque in Highgate. So I'm presuming Dickens has got a connection to Hampstead and Highgate, which is one of the reasons I brought you in to speak to me, because I know you're quite knowledgeable about the whole area. That's right. Yes. So um, the plaque to Dickens is from around 1820. So he was a young man when he came here um, and was staying in North Hill in Highgate with his family at that point. His father was probably escaping his creditors at the time. Okay, Um, right. So this was presumably, was it before or after he'd spent time in the Marshalsea prison? It was after he had spent time... Yes, okay. yes. Um, but because Dickens was about 12, I believe, when he was in the Marshalsea yes. and he was about 20 at oh, this right, time. Okay. Right. So um, presumably Highgate was, I mean, it's still a beautiful area, a village area. Um, was it, I must have been quite remote in those days. Yes, so Highgate was really a a separate village, a hill town village um, out of London, but on one of the main thoroughfares in and out of London. People would drive their their cattle down to Smithfield, for example, um, down what's now Highgate Hill um, and then towards the city. Uh, So there are a lot of pubs, for example, in Highgate. And in fact, that house was next to um, the Red Lion pub at the time. And that's one 
one of the reasons why we know that Dickens was there because he writes to a friend saying it was next to the Red Lion pub that we know was pulled down in 1900. So there's an Edwardian house there now. Okay, and um, you said that he, you think he moved up there to escape his creditors. Well, his father, yes, who yeah. was staying with his family. So that's probably how he knew that part of London from the first place, from his father trying to find places he wasn't going to be found that easily. Oh, yeah, sounds logical, doesn't it? And um, did he produce any material while he was at that address, do you know? Not at that address, but certainly... Addresses nearby um, or buildings nearby influence his um, other writing, in particular David Copperfield. Okay, tell me more. So, well, there's actually something like 24 references to Highgate in David Copperfield, which you may know is slightly autobiographical. um, And um, certainly his friend, school friend, Steerforth's mother's house. is in South Grove. We we believe there's a lovely um, Georgian house that inspired the description in David Copperfield, talking about this great large mansion on the top of the hill where you could see the whole of London from. Um, And we believe that's the inspiration. Yeah, it sounds logical, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, that's, that's described in quite detail. Um, And also the um, church, St Michael's Church, is referred to in David Copperfield. That's just near there. Um, And and it's referred to by its absence. It says there's a line saying the church with the spire and the clock wasn't there to tell him the time because he was wandering around about 10 o'clock at night because that was where um, Ashfield House uh, was. So it's roughly where um, Highgate Cemetery was built in the grounds below. And there was a school at that uh, position. Right, OK. And so let's move on from sort of that little bit there um, and take me to some other Dickensian places in Highgate. Yeah, so just um, talking about the um, Highgate Cemetery, there's a lot of connections with Highgate Cemetery and Dickens's family. OK, tell me more. So... Um, Although he himself is buried in Poets' Corner in Westminster Abbey, his parents are both buried there um, and his uh, two of his siblings and maybe most poignantly his baby daughter, Dora, who uh, died in 1851, just age eight months. Uh, and she's the inspiration for Dora in uh, Spenino in David Copperfield as well. Uh, so again, this is sort of this baby Dora inspires the name and the sort of characteristics of the sort of quite tender, slightly soppy, feeble uh, woman who David Copperfield marries and then she subsequently dies as well. Yes, I remember reading that in the book. So let's come out of the cemetery. So we come out the cemetery and just need to literally go around the corner uh, and we're in the Holly Lodge estate. Oh, right, Now, yes. the Holly Lodge estate in Dickens' time was owned by Angela Burdett Coots, who became a close friend of Dickens. Now, she was at one point the richest woman after Queen Victoria in the whole of Britain. Wow. So that Holly Lodge estate, was it? did it look like as I know it looks today? No, no. What we see today, the, it's all Tudor-Bethan style estate, yes. which is built in the 1920s um, but before that it was owned by Angela Burdett Coots's family originally um, her father had, had a summer house there uh, Thomas um, 
her grandfather, Thomas Coots, who's the banker, had a, a summer house there, oh, and she right. ended up inheriting all the all the land as a granddaughter. Um, and um, she then had the summer house there and would invite Dickens there. And right. She had social um, events there, but they had a very similar mindset at one point. They're very interested in social um, idealism, in in trying to create better conditions for the poor, particularly in the East End, for example. Um, and she she helped fund um, a, a a sort of house for fallen women in Shepherd's Bush, which was Dickens's idea okay. as well. So, But then she cut ties with him when he separated from his wife, Catherine. She didn't approve of the way he sort of publicised his kind of separation right. and the way he treated her. And she actually became more friendly with Catherine, his wife, afterwards. So we're talking now in the sort of... Uh, 1850s, really, right. by then. Right. Okay. So when you when we called it Holy Lodge Estate, so would there have been property on the estate? Yeah. So in in Angela Burdett-Coote's time, there was a house at the top. There's a, a, a area called Holly Lodge Gardens. Yeah. There's still some gates there, which would have been part of her property. Um, and the lovely gardens where some of the planting is still original. Well, the, 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 the actual house was damaged by Zeppelin raids. Uh, oh, right. It was used in the First World War uh, as a, a sort of a military hospital, and then it was damaged and pulled down. And then her much, much younger husband, American husband, who was 37 years younger than her, he died in the 1920s. She died in 1906, age, in her 90s. Oh. Um, and uh, the, the land was then sold on to someone called Abraham Davis, who developed the Holly Lodge. Estate. As I know it today. Exactly, right, yes. Right, okay. And that's, of course, just across from Highgate Cemetery, really, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then just across from there, uh, there's, um, I think it's um, Merton Lane, and uh, Charles Dickens' portrait painter lived there, a miniature painter called Margaret Gillies. And we know that he went there at least six, on six occasions. And there's a really nice story associated with this miniature painting, which is now in the Dickens Museum. Museum so you yes, may I've well have seen, seen it. Yes, I have done. Yeah. So um, it, it was lost during Dickens's lifetime oh, right. and rediscovered in 2017 in an auction lot from South Africa, all covered in mould. And it was cleaned up and they identified it as that painting. Oh, and what it a great eventually story. managed to get back to the Dickens House Museum. Yes. I mean, as so, I say, I, I've been in the museum about three or four times now. Um, but we'll, we'll return up to Highgate because it's, it's an area I didn't realise you had that much connection with. Mm, yeah, yeah. So uh, moving on from Holly Lodge. Well, I think we can start kind of going over to um, Hampstead Heath now. And okay. there's another inspiration up at Kenwood. Oh, right. So yeah. you may know Kenwood's house, which was uh, the Earl of Mansfield's house or Lord Mansfield's house. Uh, he had Catholic connections yeah. and he is, and we can again have a Bloomsbury connection yeah. here as well. Because yes. he's um, targeted in um, Dickens's historical novel, Barnaby Rudge, and... Um, they go, first of all, to his Bloomsbury house. These are the Gordon rioters who are anti-Catholic. Bloomsbury Square, I think, he had a house. Yeah. Yes, yes. So they um, 
they they went first of all trying to um, target him there, and he, he and his wife managed to escape the back way. Then they go up to um, Hampstead or Highgate uh, to his property. They call it Kenwood at the time of a C. It was spelled, and um, they want to cause fires that can be seen all over London. But as you may know, they never got to burn down Kenwood House. They were stopped off by the rather clever landlord at the Spaniards. Yeah, I've heard that story. I and think it's he, brilliant. How to quell a riot, just get everybody it, drunk. Exactly. And got them all drunk and then got them all marched off to a Newgate jail where most of them were, were uh, executed. Um, but then Spaniards Inn then has another connection because that's mentioned in the Pickwick Papers. Right. Um, and it's the... the a venue for a tea party with uh, Mrs. Bardell, who was Mr. Pickwick's um, landlady. So they have this jolly outing, a two-hour stagecoach it was then. That's how the distance it was seen at the time from London. Uh, to so go... from London to Highgate or Hampstead we're in now, that would have taken two hours by stagecoach. Yeah, yeah. Why me? People moan when it takes half hour by taxi. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they've got nothing to moan about. No. And this was like seen as a jolly day out right. uh, to go and have a big tea party, a whole party. And uh, and then uh, she gets actually uh, caught up by um, her solicitors who then march her back to uh, to the debtor's prison. Right. Um, so presumably in debt from Mr Pickwick not paying her. <laughs> <laughs> So um, at that point, we can then that we can carry on towards Hampstead, um, and with, there's the former Jack Straw's Castle, yes. which is uh, well the, the the 1960s version of a sort of very famous tavern um, is still there, but has been converted into sort of other it's uses, apartments or something, apartments and a gym, and, a gym yeah. and yeah, things yeah. like that. So just let's stick with Jack Stores Castle for a minute because obviously it's a landmark building. So the so, the one that was there that I knew with the sort of slats of wood and whatever. Mm. That was rebuilt in the 60s. That's right, 1964. Right, and the originally and obviously fell down or was the original down. was bombed in the. Second World ah, War. Ah, okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of bombings on that part of Hampstead. It's a very high part. It's the highest part of central London. Yeah. And um, it, the, I think, you know, a lot of the uh, Luftwaffe were dropping their bombs on their way back to um, to Germany. Right. Up there. Yeah, I suppose it high, makes sense. high up. Yeah. You know, just yeah. spill them up there. So, um so, yeah, so there was a very famous tavern from at least the 17th century that was right. frequented by all sort of literary people. So Dickens would have probably Dick, been in the original one. He went into the original one. In fact, his biographer talks about uh, Dickens inviting there for a, 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 a place where you could have a good chop and a glass of red wine. So, that, again, it's mentioned. And there, there started many happy occasions. Do you know, Marilyn, where the name came from? Uh, or is it this one of is, it's one of these myth? ones that is lost in uh, myth. People like to say that Jack Straw from the Peasants' Revolt came down there, but it's probably the name of a farmer, to be honest, right. a local farmer. Yeah. The same with the Spaniards in people. Uh, the, we know that a Spanish ambassador lived uh, in that location at one point, so it's probably named after the fact that the Spanish ambassador lived right, along okay. that road. Yeah, 
Yeah, it would make sense. <laughs> anyway, so we were at Jack Straw's Castle. Yeah, so just we can just go down the hill. We're yes, at North Fen yeah. Road now, so we're going towards what would have been traditionally the road going towards Hendon. Yeah. You've got to remember Golders Green wasn't built at that time. Uh, so we just go to North Fen, which is a, v- a hamlet of Hampstead, really. Um, and this has, again, got a great Dickens connection. There is the original farmhouse building. It's still there today, the Wilds Farmhouse Building, um, which goes dates back to Tudor times and originally land that belonged to the... Um, the Hospital of St. James's, you know, okay. which is where St. James's Park is today. Yeah. So it was originally land acquired by um, uh, what was originally a leper colony right. because people gave money to them. Um, and then there's certainly been a, um, some kind of um, farmstead since Tudor times because the land was given to Eton College. And uh, the um, what's now there is a 17th century farmhouse and that was um, leased out by Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tenant farmers, uh, one called Mr. Collins and Dickens's day, right. and so he rented out rooms because people wanted to come to Hampstead for a break. So what? Dickens came there in 1837 while he was writing Oliver Twist um, because his sister-in-law, Mary Hogarth, had just died suddenly in, in the house in Bloomsbury, actually, where she was staying with them. She's just aged 17. And they, he and Catherine were kind of heartbroken. Yeah, and they devastated. Ju- and they that, just yeah. wanted to escape and have somewhere quiet. And again, it may be somewhere he knew from his father's day his father's crediting um trying to escape his creditor's day and so he stayed there some several weeks um and was it's obviously being in that area at that time inspired um some of um oliver twist okay so what i've actually not told you is that we've been following part of the escape route of bill sykes who comes up highgate hill 
crosses Highgate and the Heath past Kenwood up towards Hampstead and then comes back and down the hill to North End. And then he goes after his day of running away after killing Nancy in in Oliver. He goes and sleeps in the bush, under a bush in the fields of North End. And that's where I end my tour, actually, because uh, that's actually the edge of Hampstead Garden suburb, what's now known as the Heath Extension, which would have been the farmland of the Wilds Farm. So like Golders Hill Park, would that have Uh, been Well, opposite Golders Hill Park. So it's the Heath Extension on the opposite side, the land that was saved in 1907 by Henry to Barnet, and then Hampstead Garden suburb was built um, around that land. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of connections. And we know that Hampstead was also an inspiration to um, Dickens in terms of the sort of the network of alleys and lanes would have been help him sort of come to sort of describe various locations in his books. Yes. And he certainly had friends with a painter who lived in Hampstead. We know that as yeah. well. Yeah, because all those lanes and alleyways are all still yeah. there, aren't they? It's yeah. still quite, yeah. Um, so- Mm-hmm. So can I just bring you back to Highgate Cemetery? Just one of the things that always fascinates me. You know, you said that um, his d- young daughter was buried there, etc. Are those graves kept in good orderly condition or are they sort of gone to neglect? Um, well, they're all on one, under one grave, which has ah, right, um, basically okay. got railings around it. So it is looked tune. after. It, it's sort of looked after, but it's not kind of on the route that you would see it if you right, went on Carl a Because Karl Marx is obviously in there as yeah, well. Yeah, so Karl Marx, there are two different cemeteries you're yeah. probably aware of. In one on Highgate. one side of the road, one on so the other. He's a, so um, Dickens would have been in Highgate at the time they were creating the first cemetery, which was right. created in 1839, one of the first seven cemeteries, you know, big seven yeah. cemeteries out of London. Um, so he was um, aware, he would have been completely aware of that all being built up at the time. And in fact, Angela Bird at Coots helped him secure a spot for um, his daughter Dora, who I presume was the first person to be buried there. And then the mother would have been buried there. Um, His wife was buried there afterwards because she was buried there. Right. Okay. And um, how long in total do you think did he spend living in that area? Well, he didn't. He didn't spend more than a few weeks at a time right. there. But he came. He would go there regularly just to sort of uh, freshen his wits, shall we say? So, for example, again in David Copperfield, there is a rather nice quote talking about how he's when he's staying in the Strand area, um, and he goes down and he, he talks about going to the bath, the Roman bath on the Strand, which oh, you yeah, may no. know is not really Roman, but they no. probably thought Surrey it was. Street, that's, that's him. right, yeah. Surrey yeah. Street next to Oldwich Station, um, and he probably, you know, they probably thought it was Roman at the time, and he goes there. He says, "I went there in the morning to sort of have a cold plunge, sort of thing, and then I walked up to Hampstead, up onto the heath to freshen my mind." and thinks that it did help him. And then he comes back, and that's all before a day's work. And we're talking four miles there and back. Yes, yes. And uphill. So he didn't think twice about doing these kind of walks, you know. Yeah. So So presumably then what you're saying is, in effect, that when he, he was thinking about writing a novel... That's where his inspiration came from, through strolling around those little lanes and the heath. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it would, it would sort of help him think and help him take his mind off everyday stresses. Um, and, to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know subsequently there's been obviously, he's been followed there by other sort of literary people in, in later years. Was there anybody up there before him? 
Uh, that's a good question. Well, there would have been. I, I'm... Nobody, no, nobody of his fame. No, I don't think. Certainly not in Highgate area. Um, I mean, we've got Coleridge would have been around there at that time. Okay, Samuel uh, Coleridge Taylor, yeah, 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 in Highgate, right. For example, so everybody yeah. who I've heard of would have came. You know, I know Graham Greene lived up there, etc. They would yeah, have come there's afterwards. A lot, there's a lot of people like yeah, and Orwell and. Um, D.H. Lawrence. D.H. Yeah, they're all the beginning of the 20th century, yeah. sort of 1913, sort of yeah. First yeah. World So he War was the period. first sort of literary person to be associated with the area. That's what I was I, w- I wouldn't to. say first, but um, no, because there were various poets, 18th century poets. Uh, people. There were a lot of literary people who would come down to these taverns, you know, to the Spaniards, to the Bull and Bush, to right. the Jack Stores Cross. All these places were li- um, associated with the art. Artistic and literary, uh, sort of from right. the 18th now, century onwards. The Bull and Bush. Um, I know that that was rebuilt. Was it? Was the old Bull and Bush there in Dickens's time? It would have been. He would have probably gone there too. Yes, he literally there around there the well. corner from where he was staying um, in Wilde's farmhouse. Right. So it's um, logically it, it was there. Yes. Again, it probably dates from being a Tudor farmhouse, and that's where the name comes from. Yeah. Um, from it being a farmstead. And the little stroll we've just had around, you know, Highgate from the cemetery through uh, Hollyoak Village um, and up down to the thing. How long would that take to walk, do you think? Well, to walk it directly without stopping takes about three hours. Uh, when I've taken groups there, they all want to stop, obviously, get a coffee at Kenwood and go to the loo. So I'd say for a public route, three and a half hours. Wow, and it's yeah. quite an undulating walk, yeah. isn't it? I mean, with, when I'm doing a walk, I would normally start at Highgate Station, so there's a bit of a walk to North Hill from there. So yeah. we add a next. So if you start at um, North Hill, it's slightly less. Yeah, right. And from North Hill, from say Highgate Station, going up to North Hill, is, is, is there any sort of Dickens connection in that small part of Highgate? J- just that section going up North Hill, probably not. But we do know that in the um, the High Street, his publisher, Charles Knight, lived. Um, and in, a, in a, again, a lovely Georgian house that still exists, Ivy House, I believe it's called. Oh, right, yeah. Um, so he would have gone and frequented seeing him as well. Um, so it's just slightly down the hill yeah. um, um, from Highgate Hill. Yeah. And um, he, because he spent that sort of time there, when he broke up with his wife, um, when he obviously had his mistress... Did he return to Highgate or was it a we, separate area? I think it basically was a separate area and was very little um, associated with Dickens after around the 1850s. Um, so it's really, we're talking kind of the period 1830 when he's first in North Hill area. Yeah. Um, for about 20 years, he's got an association with Highgate, that's for sure. Right. So um, once he'd sort of separated from his wife, I suppose the area would have been had um, unhappy or happy memories for him and he probably didn't want to return. Would that be safe I think, to say? I mean, his main connection in Highgate, in a, in sort of his middle part of his life, was Angela Burdock Coots. Right. Um, so I think he didn't come there that much after his friendship with her kind of ended. So um, as we know, he's 
goes all over London, all over um, the southeast. Um, yeah, in his I think he lived in Marylebone Road or one yeah, stage. Yeah, there's one in Covent Garden, um, the plot to him. I mean, he's everywhere. Yeah, so. he has got a lot of flags yeah, in London. So. And then, of course, he went in, ended up, was it Rochester? Yes, that's yeah. right, yeah. Because, I mean, he, so. he was born in Portsmouth, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah fascinating uh, sort of literary character. And just to sort of finally finish off then, um, let's just chat about the Heath itself. Um, because it's a part of London that I love. And I mean, I even think when you were saying people should go up there for a few days break, I'm thinking actually it's not a bad <laughs> idea. It's the sort of place I could go to for two or three days, come away from the centre of London. Um, what, what's the sort of brief history of the Heath for me? Um, well, the the Heath obviously was open land yeah. and um, it would have been in the Lord of the Manor of Hampstead would have been kind of in charge of it. Um, and then... It, in the mid-19th century, the Lord of the Manor at the time, I believe it was Marion Wilson, he wanted to develop parts of the, what's now known as East Heath um, and build a kind of housing estate with 20, to, 20 or so villas on it. And that really brought about the beginnings of people um, protesting about um, building on this open land right. um, and led to the saving of Hampstead Heath um, about 100, just over 150 years ago. Um, as, so that was the first section to be saved. Um, and then it, it various sections, it, it was saved in different sections. So you mentioned, for example, Golders Hill Park. Yeah. And Golders Hill Park was, where, again, where there was a big mansion. Um, the last person to live in the house there was actually Queen Victoria's surgeon. Um, okay. And... Um, when he died, he had no children, and the the property and the lands around it were auctioned, put up for auction, and no one bought it. Uh, we're talking 1897, 1898. Um, and so in the end, it was um, local people got together, sort of Leverhulme, sort of well-known um, public figures who... Um, often involved in the soap industry, um, they raised money to uh, buy it and then sold it back to um, to um, what well, basically became the first public park in Hendon. That was a Hendon area. Right. It opened in 1898 as the first public park in Hendon and that became part of Hampstead. That's now part of Hampstead Heath. Yeah. And then, as I mentioned, with the... Um, the Dickens on the other side. On the, the other road. side, Ingram we've got Avenue, the Heath, Wildwood Road. We've got there. the Heath Extension, which right. is eighty acres of land that Henry to Barnet petitioned to be saved because she had a house on the Spaniards Road, a weekend house with her husband, who was the vicar of um, St Jude's in Whitechapel. Uh, so they go there again to escape the sort of overcrowding and the difficult lives they lived, yeah. looking after the poor there. And this land overlooked, their, their house overlooked this beautiful farmland and they heard about the um, the Hampstead and Charing Cross Railway going to extend their line down towards the fields of Golders Green with a station at Bull and Bush, the area at Bull and Bush. And she thought, if they build a station there, that is going to become a housing estate and destroy all this beautiful land and she campaigned to Eton College, who were the landowners, um, to see if she could save it. They said, no, you're only a woman. Don't be stupid. Bring <laughs> back some worthy men. So she brings a sort of syndicate of seven other worthy men and plus herself, um, you know, including the Bishop of London. And they go about... Uh, 
trying to get an option to um, purchase the Heath extension. I think it was offered to them at 48000 Did they actually start to build the station there? They started, you're quite right. So what we now know is Hampstead North End. They did start to build a station, but her plans uh, are to to buy the the land, plus the fact that Golders Hill Park had just been built as well, had just been saved, meant that that whole section of land between Hampstead and Golders Green was unbuilt on, apart from that little tiny hamlet of North End. Right. Um, and it wasn't going to be worthwhile for the Tube to, um, you know, to, to, to have a station there because they wouldn't have enough people no, going to no, that to station. Merit, yeah. So there is still an underground space there, right. which apparently was used during the Cold War to operate floodgates and things. And, oh, and gas right. I had doors. heard rumours, but um, again, you never, till you talk to an expert like yourself, you're never quite certain yes. whether somebody's just saying, oh, there's an old station I mean, there. Or... And obviously it's used as an air vent and an escape route if it needs to from the tube, but it just looks like an electricity substation in Hampstead right. Way. So um, you don't notice it, unless you're an expert, as I am, on the... Um, typeface for London Underground and uh, it's in Johnston typeface, the writing, so you think hang on, that writing is to do with the London transport, that must be something to do with it, it's not electricity substation. Right, yeah okay. And that's kind of opposite of the Wilds Farmhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just to say, it's one of these things, you hear these little rumours and you know oh, I wonder, so now I know for definite, yeah. Thanks. thank you for that um, and just to sort of finish off then um Obviously, the Corporation of London, I believe, owns yeah. Hampstead Heath now. Yeah. How yeah. did that come about, do you know? Well, it came over from the Greater London Council. I ah, think, right. Yeah, so, so it's it got, handed it, over. It moved over in most of it in the 1980s, I believe. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it was different parts, so uh, different parts of it. But, yeah, so it's great, it was Greater London Council yeah. originally. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because when we first met, you took me on a tour of the churches. There's the wonderful churches in sort of Hampstead and around that area. That's right. So yeah. now I know a little bit more, and I've, I'm pleased that you've given me clearer indication of Dickens' connections with the area. Marilyn, it's been marvellous to speak to you. Thank you for agreeing to come in and see me. A pleasure. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Apply. See site for details.